Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast where we talk about what's going on in our brains instead of what's happening outside. We're your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week's episode, Growing Up Different in the Church. Hi, Megan. Hi, Steffi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've got my hot tea. I've got my cozy socks because it is cold weather and I am just happy to be inside where it's cozy. Yeah. Uh, Megan, I learned something new about you today that I did not know, which is that you are allergic to blue cheese. I am allergic to blue cheese. Is this like your banana allergy, which was you know, it came on after you had your kids? Or is this something that you've always been allergic to? I am curious. Um, well, I'm allergic to mold, um, which obviously, sense. blue cheese, mold, um, and all like, you know, penicillins and all of those and stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, it's been as long as I know, but also blue cheese is disgusting. I mean, blue cheese is not my favorite. So, um. I like funky cheeses, but not that funky. It's not as tragic as my banana allergy, which was taken from me. <laughs> By your children. At a, at a, <laughs> at a ripe age of 27. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned this because you texted me and one of our other coworkers that your husband was clearly trying to murder you because he served you pork with blue cheese on top. And I thought it was just that you thought it was gross. And you're like, no, it's because I'm allergic. So good job, Bob. It's- yeah, I mean, we've only been together for like 17 years. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. He doesn't need to know what foods make me possibly uh, swell Ill. up and die. It's okay. It's- it's okay. Bless, <laughs> bless his heart. His defense was that it was in the recipe. Do, well, oh, hmm, okay. I'm not going to touch that one because that'll get us <laughs> off on a whole tangent. I'll just, I'll just leave that one there. It told him to do it, so he did. You know, I guess you, I guess we could yell at him for not following directions. Otherwise, so uh, he, the poor man probably can't win. <laughs> He really can't. I mean, husbands just can't either way, you know? Just kind of the way the land works. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Well, you all know that many of the topics we cover on our podcast, including whether our husbands are trying to kill us, are a bit on the frivolous side. But this week, we're tackling a more serious conversation as we talk about what it's like to grow up outside the, quote, acceptable norms inside the church. To help us cover this topic, we're talking to someone who knows all too well what this experience is like. He is my childhood friend, Caleb Finley. Welcome, Caleb. Hello. How's it going? Ah, good. How are you? We're so happy to have you here. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Caleb, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I grew up in central Illinois along with Steffi. Um, we went to church together, mm-hmm. uh, which we will dive into soon um but yeah i grew up there uh eventually moved down here to nashville tennessee and i finished school at lipscomb university and now i'm an assistant manager of a pet shop here in brentwood tennessee and on the downtime i'm chilling at home with my fiance stevie our dog hades and cat binks 
and watching movies, playing video games. I've just gotten into Dungeons and Dragons recently. Excellent. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, any other time I'm reading, cooking, attempting to at least. But yeah. Basically embodying the I'd rather stay in lifestyle. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Before we get too deep into things, we wanted to hit on a topic that is particularly important to you and we also felt was a great distinction to make. You prefer the term pan or queer over gay to describe your sexuality. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I feel like when you're talking to queer people, um, they like to kind of give an identifier uh, as to like, you know, who they are. And obviously like, you know, if you're talking to someone, they don't have to tell you, oh, I'm gay, I'm bi, I'm, you know, this, that, or the other. That's none of your business. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, a lot of queer people like to use that identifier. I mean, I do. Um, I feel like it gives a sense of identity and kind of comfort uh, because, you know, we as humans like to, you know, use labels, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like in our brains, we're, you know, giving everything a label to quickly identify it. Um, but yeah, pansexuality, um, a lot of people, if you, if you don't know the term and what it means, um, but by definition, it's, you know, not limited in sexual choice with regard to biological sex, gender or gender identity. Um, but kind of like an easy way to describe it which is a little problematic within the queer community um is a phrase hearts not parts and for me that's just kind of the easiest way to say like i love who the person is not necessarily you know what they are um and and yeah that's just kind of the grandiose description of pansexuality i guess (laughs) sure Sure. And I know we've talked about this a little bit before, and mm-hmm. um, I was surprised to hear that it's sort of a debated topic within the queer community. So that was something that I have learned from you. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I find that interesting that there, because I guess we think of the I list I guess I think of the queer community as being super inclusive mm-hmm. and so to hear that there's this sort of I guess controversy over like certain terms yeah. was interesting to me and also a good reminder that you can't paint any group mm-hmm. with a broad brush yeah so well and it's very interesting because like not only are there you know kind of qualms about identifying as you know bi or queer or pan or asexual demisexual the list goes on but there's actually surprisingly a lot of discrimination within the queer community which is pretty sad since you know queer people are already so you know repressed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and uh to see the community itself being like you know one of the huge things is and it's a joke unfortunately um is the no fats, no femmes, no Asians um, when it comes to, you know, the gay male stereotypes, at least. Um, You know, that unless you look like a white, muscular dude, um, you know, don't talk to me. Sure. It's just, it's kind of, it's gross. (laughs) I I don't, I don't like it. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, so I think that, again, I think that's just a really good reminder that we can't know everything about Mm -hmm. a group of people. It's like, no matter how much you may think that, you know, there's always something that you can learn. So, um, Caleb, you and I grew up together in an evangelical church and we both pushed the boundaries of what was considered, (laughs) quote, acceptable in different ways. Um, You through your sexuality and me by being a loud, obnoxious (laughs) woman who refuses to, I know, who (laughs) refuses to submit to any man, basically. Uh, (laughs) But before we dive too deep, like further into this conversation, so we've set the stage of uh, the term, you know, pan. Mm-hmm. And I also want us to set the stage a little bit in terms of sharing how we each see the church as separate from faith. I think that is an important distinction to make in this conversation. I know that, for example, for myself, I see the church as very much a man and human driven entity that Mm -hmm. is separate from my faith and the Jesus that I believe in. And so I wanted to hear a little bit about your thoughts on that as we head into what we're about to talk about. Yeah. um, And this is actually kind of a difficult question for me to answer only because like growing up in the church and, you know, being a part of a family who is also involved in the leadership of that church, um, separating the church from faith uh was very hard for me sure and you know because i i saw all the politics that happened behind the scenes and so for me and i think this is what has hurt my view and my ability to sit in the church nowadays uh Mm -hmm. is, is you know i see the church as the building where the people come to congregate and you're supposed to it's kind of a two-pronged answer i guess um i see the church as one um being a place that people come to congregate and to lift each other up and to build your faith and prong number two uh it's it's this place where there's so much damage and hurt done uh Mm -hmm. that some people can kind of get grow past that and, and grow through it um, whereas other people, depending on you know what kind of scars they have, they're they're gonna they're gonna suffer for a while. Um, sure. And the separation between church and faith for me, um, I very early on, um, kind of thinking back, to, you know, in my faith journey, and um, as well as you know becoming who I am as a person now, um, I kind of realized that. I kind of dropped my faith in junior high um, that I kind of walked away from it. And because I had already questioned everything Sure. that, uh, you know, I kind of saw it as, you know, I'm in this church. I am just here to see my friends and to hang out. And, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. and by high school that I just kind of like checked out and was like, okay, faith isn't for me. But I think that was due part, partly in, in the fact that, I was seeing so much of these politics happening behind the scenes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. And I think your, you know, kind of two-pronged view of it is sort of like 
what it should be versus Mm -hmm. what it often is right like it should be this place of community and where you can find you know strength in a community of people Mm -hmm. that are around you and that you can grow in your faith and so often it turns out to be for many many people a place of hurt and confusion Mm -hmm. and something that drives a wedge in between them and their faith their faith or their families or any of those things so um i i and i can see why that would be really hard to grapple with and i think Mm -hmm. even for me um and i've in and my hurts don't go nearly as far and as deep as i think that yours do I think it took me a long time to be able to separate out those two things to like realize that the church that I experience and so often see is not representative of the, my understanding of God and Jesus. Yeah. And so, and that's been, it was actually, I think when we started our adoption journey and you have to answer all, 80,000 questions (laughs) about everything in your life. And one of them is like, you know, what's your faith like? Um, And are you, you know, active in a church and all of these Mm -hmm. things? And how do you plan to raise your child? And like the answer for me was, well, and for my husband was, well, we plan to raise our child to love like Jesus, but that doesn't necessarily need to be within a church. And it doesn't necessarily fit within some of the, definitions of church that we have experienced in our lives and is is separate from that so um i i appreciate you sharing that sharing your your views on that as we go further into this conversation because i think that's helpful to just understand well and it was interesting growing up because like you know i had cousins who you know they and i can see where they're coming from now but like looking back on it and like being in the moment then um i would have cousins who like didn't go to church and like i would always kind of like you know subconsciously judge them Mm -hmm. because you're like oh you're not going to church like obviously you're not a good christian because you're not going to a church on sunday and it was very much of like you know i remember one of my cousins vividly saying she's like it's not where you worship it's how you worship yeah. And that was kind of like a big thing that like nowadays I can look back on it and go, oh, well, I was being an asshole. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it really is. It's, you know, it's how you worship. It's not where. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people kind of take they take the where and kind of try to make it into their own. And that's kind of what forms the issues and problems that we have in a lot of churches nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think the fact that you had that mindset at such a young age kind of shows some of those issues mm-hmm. in general that like you thought that about your own family. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like of all the, of all people, like you should be able to see like, and know your cousins well enough to know like oh they are good christians mm-hmm. but having that like oh i don't know about you because you aren't going to church every week because yeah. that's, that's what you've been taught yeah right exactly yeah exactly yep and coming from like so like i also went to a private christian school Whew. so on top of that like also being you know will you also go to chapel every friday and 
you know, on top of that, like you're, you're, you're going to church on Sunday and Wednesday night. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, Oh, this is a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot for sure. Yeah. So would you share with us about your experience of growing up queer in the church? You did mention mm-hmm. that you kind of um, separated yourself a little bit from it once you got towards junior high, yeah. but your experience before that and mm-hmm. also um, what the process of kind of extracting yourself was like yeah so growing up i mean i didn't really come to terms with my sexuality until about 23 24 or so um so kind of looking back i can noticeably see things in my life where i'm like oh yep i definitely was a little queer child like (laughs) 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 and um a lot of that comes with who I was hanging out with and who I was friends with and what I liked um, in church, which is all very like, you know, surface. But for me, that's, you know, where I found my solace, I guess, of, you know, like I can be accepted here um, because I always felt like I was different. And I, all the way back to like grade school, um, I remember at our first church before they branched off, to the church that, you know, Steffi and I went to, um, I was a part of this group called Royal Rangers. And it was oh like, Oh my God, I remember Royal Rangers. <laughs> yes, I was a missionette. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> like, uh, They're basically like the, Christian Boy Scouts and yep, Girl Scouts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I just, I remember a very specific moment in which we had went on this like camping trip where it was like we did everything outdoors and like I love the outdoors don't get me wrong like I love hiking I love going out in the woods and you know this that and the other but being there with a group of like guys and having to like fellowship which I hate that word um (laughs) like um it I just I did not connect with anyone I just wanted to be at home. I wanted to be with my friends and uh, the the friends that I did have who were part of the, what was the girls group called again? Missionettes. The Missionettes. Mm-hmm. Um, like my friends who were part of that, I'm like, I want to hang out with them. Like they were doing way more fun stuff. But granted, I don't really know what they were doing, but in my head. It wasn't that fun. <laughs> in my head, they were doing a lot more fun things than. We did probably do more crafts ugh. than you guys did, though. Yeah, and I I love a good craft. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, like, we did um, bike riding. We did um, a nature trail thing. And it was just, it was ridiculous. But the, the entire time, I was like, I don't fit in here. And kind of after that, I really started to recognize at a very young age, I mean, I was probably nine or 10 um, and really started to see, I don't fit in with these people, but I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, due to my interests or, you know, is it just my personality? Um, And coming from such a sheltered you know, family and and background, I had no idea what, you know, being queer or gay or pansexual was, um, that I was just like, well, I just, you know, I just must not bond with these people because I have nothing in common with them. So I'm just weird. And (laughs) that's kind of the mindset I took on. Um, and 
so from then on out, I, that's where I just kind of started to disassociate from everybody. And it, I don't know, it wasn't until I would say junior high or so that I really started to find people that like I knew and trusted and, and definitely found as like, um, words, Caleb, uh, like confident friends, like mm-hmm. friends I could confide in, mm-hmm. um, that being like Sefi and our friend Josh and, yeah. um, our friend Bree. And like, those were really the only people I considered like close friends. And, um, Megan, what was the second part of your question? The second part was what was the process of like, like pulling yourself out of that, especially like with your family being involved in the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very much. So the process of like kind of disassociating and, and kind of like, removing myself from that narrative was um it was a suffering silence unfortunately because my family was so it is so involved with the church that um i mean my parents both were on the worship team um my dad was um the leader of the missions board uh, my sister eventually you know was one of the youth leaders and eventually was one of the worship leaders for the church. And I kind of, I disappeared into the background. Um, I helped with the church musicals because musical theater is one of the few things that I really loved um, and grew up doing. And I kind of, kind of, you know, nudged my way in there and ended up like being able to assist and direct some of the shows and helping out with, you know, their productions, um, as well as being in them, even though I didn't really want to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that little pool of actors is very small. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Especially um, men that can carry a tune in a bucket. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, it was was very much of a a, uh, suffer in silence and kind of start slowly removing myself as much as possible. And it ended up getting to the point where I remember standing with my parents one time after church and they knew uh, they were talking with some person i have no idea who they were and um they looked at me because they were like who is this person standing behind my parents and they had no clue that my parents had a son Mm. and it was very much a like it was a shock to me because i was like oh they knew who my sister is and they knew my parents, but I'm the one that is in the background. I stay quiet. I don't involve myself. And it hurt. Um, and that's kind of when I started to really build some walls, especially when it came to people at that church. Um, I did not let people in very easily. And I kept everyone at arm's length. I mean, understandably so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, you said that you moved to Nashville to finish out school, Mm -hmm. um, and that you came to terms with your sexuality, like when you were like 23, 24. So I'm guessing Mm -hmm. that those two things sort of coincided that you coming to terms with who you really are 
coincided with you moving mm-hmm. to Nashville and being out of that environment? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I moved here, I ended up, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was weird. I had just gotten out of a two and a half year relationship. Um, and she and I, I it did not end things very well. I am mm-hmm. a terrible person to break up with. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know how to break up with people. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't really think there, no one gives you a manual for these things. Um, I just, I just remember like absolutely being the worst person in the world and like crushing her and literally having to like go back a week later and be like, I am so sorry. Like I am literally the scum of the earth for saying those things to you. And like, granted, we are on very, very well speaking terms now. Um, her and I are still very close and, but she's kind of, uh, she's one of the huge reasons why I'm finally moved down here. Mm-hmm. Um, she really pushed me and helped me through a lot of these like really dark, weird parts of my life. And, uh, when I moved down here, um, I, you know, I kind of started to be like, okay, well I am no longer under you know, a, a microscope of, you know, being watched by people. Um, I, I felt like, okay, I can finally, you know, that college experimentation, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, right. And so I, yeah, that's when I started to, you know, I went out on a couple dates with a couple guys. They were awful. Um, and, yeah, just a heads up, like, no matter what sexuality you are, first dates are the worst. Terrible. Um, all dating is awful. It's garbage. <laughs> Absolute trash. It is such trash. Um, if anything ever happens to my husband, I'm just adopting a thousand cats and that's it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dating. It's not yeah, going to happen. It is literally the worst. Um, and so, like, you know, going through that, I'm like, why would anyone, like, want to date men first of all (laughs) (laughs) because men are trash um (laughs) um, but on top of that I was like no I I'm finally kind of I'm getting comfortable with myself and the fact that like I do find men attractive I find women attractive I don't care you know what it is necessarily that I'm finding attractive it's more of like finding that connection with a person Sure. And um, so, yeah, moving down here, I kind of, you know, I, I finally got to experiment and kind of come into my own. And what really helped with that was starting to do a lot of research. Um, you know, I, I started listening to some podcasts. I, I did some reading. I, you know, was kind of trying to take in as much of the queer culture as I could. Um, and surprisingly Nashville has a decent queer community um it's very small and um for lack of a better word incestuous (laughs) everyone has dated everyone or at least knows everyone um but kind of one of the huge things that really really helped me kind of come to terms with my sexuality and um get me more comfortable um what well two things actually um, one was a podcast called Love Bomb by Nico Tortorella. Um, and they, 
had guests on weekly and would have conversations with them and um they would talk about like you know how they came to the realization that they were gay by asexual you know whatever um and just like how they survive in that community and uh there was an episode where they were talking about pansexuality and just the way that things were being described i was like that is exactly how i feel and it like clicked one day and i was like oh my god i'm pansexual that's sure. that's a thing and because i had never heard of it before right and so like from there i was like okay cool and uh shortly after that i was broken up with and uh started watching rupaul's drag race <laughs> and love some drag race binge watched all of the seasons so then it was like up to season eight i believe um and so like at the end of every episode you know rue says you know uh, how are you gonna love somebody else if you can't or good lord i <laughs> literally they say that every single episode but i obviously don't know the quote <laughs> how are you gonna love yourself so, how are you gonna love somebody else yes. if you don't love yourself there we go thank you <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh, that quote just kind of it resonated within me and it was like okay like obviously step number one is loving yourself mm-hmm. and step number two is then accepting yourself and it was just kind of like stepping stones of like relearning everything of, of how to how to interact with people and how to introduce yourself and um you know obviously I didn't go up to everybody and be like hi I'm pansexual But um, it was more of, like, just that casual of, like, I can say, hey, that person is attractive or that person is not attractive. And, um, you know, not really feel weird about saying, oh, yeah, I can't say that about a guy. Um, And so, yeah, it was just it. Moving down here opened a lot of doors um, to my mind, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So something I'm kind of curious about, mm-hmm. um, just based on some of my own experiences, is I'm wondering if it took you a while or if like when you started coming to terms with your sexuality and, and figuring out who you are, did you carry any shame with that at the beginning? Um and I asked this mm-hmm. question because, you know, I know when I gasp had sex outside of marriage, like... <laughs> Wasn't that such a weird experience? Uh, right. Like, I, I, like, had all of this shame. I was... And even though I was, like, fine with it, there yeah. was still, like, a shame associated with it because mm-hmm. of how I had, like, grown up hearing that this was the worst thing that you could yeah. ever do so i'm curious if you had a similar experience of carrying some shame as you mm-hmm. were working through this stuff yeah um yes and no um i think partly uh, there there was a part of me that because i had already s- sort of disassociated from my religious background sure. um that when I finally came to terms with, oh, okay, cool. Um, I'm not going to fit into their mold mm-hmm. um, that I, I need to just live and be happy with, you know, whatever life I make. Um, but there were, 
I, I still have moments every once in a while and it's usually um it, it's strange how it pops up um and it's usually around the holidays mm-hmm. uh, which is a very it's strange but obviously like having a very close-knit family um but also being in a relationship where they don't approve of that relationship um it almost it sort of triggers a a sense of shame of well, I could technically be with a woman. I could technically bring a woman to those holidays and have a perfectly normal, heteronormal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost, it, I don't know if it's necessarily shame. Um, it's more of like a doubting sense of sure. self, self-doubt. Um, and it usually pops up around holidays. Um, and like the first Christmas that I spent without my family, um, I definitely broke down a few times um, yeah. out of lack of like, I have traditions and I hate that like the traditions are tied so closely within me. Um, but it does, it's weird how shame and doubt kind of creep in um, when it comes to sexuality and who you're trying you know who you are as a human mm-hmm. um because even like thinking back to growing up and you know having those weird notions of like looking at like one of my crushes growing up was jake gyllenhaal it still is he is my second husband i don't all care all of us yeah. all of us so, <laughs> like... i don't care what sexuality you are everybody yeah. has a crush yeah. on jake gyllenhaal yes so like donnie darko that movie made me fall in love with him but it was weird because it was one of those like i find him attractive but i shouldn't find him attractive and it was like growing up i didn't know how to handle it mm-hmm. and so it was just like i'm just not going to say it out loud and then like I remember the first time that I ever, this is so embarrassing, I guess. Um, but like the first time I ever said, oh my God, that guy is super like hot, um, yeah. was to my friend Sarah and we were fangirling over Joe Jonas. So. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. Zero exactly. shame, yep. Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> so again, but it, it's like, it's this weird like shame tied in with like, a self-doubt and yeah. it, it's crazy and it, it makes you feel like am I literally insane um, yeah. because you're living this life within your head um, that you can't translate to the outside world that's it's so interesting that you that you bring up that you wonder like oh well if I was with a woman mm-hmm. like I could Every, I could go to the family Christmas and it would all be like quote normal and fine. Yeah. Um, because if because if you weren't you know pansexual, that would be a different experience for you. If mm-hmm. you were only attracted to men, then that would be a completely different internal narrative. I would imagine. Yeah. Of because because it would be well, I could be, but I'm not attracted. But mm-hmm. you are attracted to men and women and everything everyone in between so 
that's a very interest. I, I, I don't know what, I don't know that <laughs> there's like an answer to that or yeah. <laughs> anything, but I appreciate you sharing that with mm-hmm. us. Yeah. I mean, if it, <laughs> to add a little more humor into that, I mean, like my last relationship that, you know, that met my family, I mean, she was Catholic, so that was kind of a huge oh, no for my family. <laughs> so, <laughs> from going like, from... Like, oh, well, fine. You did not approve of the Catholic. Right. Yep. I'll bring home a man next time. It's yeah. fine. I, I'll just really one up, and then you'll be wanting the Catholic back, okay? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> like, I think about that all the time. I'm like, you know, they could have just accepted her, and it been fine. But, I mean, like, obviously they had no, like, say in, like, why we broke up. I will right. say that uh, but like it is hilarious to be like I just remember the the sit down talk with my parents of being like you know she's Catholic right and I was like yeah I do I've been to a Catholic <laughs> church like <gasps> thing and oh no you've oh been to God. mass yeah it was weird <laughs> mass is long and you it's it's like exercise you're up and, I, up and down that and I almost felt like I was being indoctrinated into a cult but that's <laughs> <laughs> I feel know. like I do feel like people f- I feel like people feel that way like I feel like Catholics probably feel that way coming to an evangelical oh, service though definitely, too so. definitely like evangelicals are crazy oh the, like, the fucking craziest oh they are the worst <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're if you've like never been to a church before I'm sure it must be a completely jarring yes. experience or if so, you've ever walk been into only a rock been to concert. like Right, only church. if it's like a very traditional <laughs> church. It's got to be very, very jarring. Ugh, it's, I mean, it's still jarring for me to go into an evangelical church. Like, yeah. I literally sit there. Like, I remember when I first moved down to Nashville and I started kind of looking for a church. And I, I think this is partly tied into the fact that I can walk into a church and know what their politics are. Yeah. And which is, you know, I don't know, crazy, fun, awesome. It's um, like a parlor trick. Yes. And so I remember sitting down in one of the churches and I was like, well, this is going to be a shit show. And yep, sure enough, service started. The lights went down. The concert lights came up. Oh, there, no. was, there was fog. There was rock music. There was an intro. Um, oh, gosh. It literally was like you had like Bon Jovi coming out on stage. Like you had like this like crowd prepping of like... Um, like a, a hype man basically yeah. oh no but it, it was awful and i was like how do people consider this a church right <laughs> i'm like you damn evangelicals like you are crazy <laughs> i was i went i was a semi-raised um wisconsin lutheran Ooh. so i would have absolutely thought all of you are off your rocker yes if i went Completely. to a church like that <laughs> yes Yes. Now, did you have... You're very calm. Yeah, you didn't anything. have uh, instruments, did you? Um, No. No? No instruments? Okay. No. Yeah. I also think, like, I'm a little bit older than Steffi, and I do think that um, the instruments in church didn't get popular. Um, That's probably true, yeah. For, or until, like, the mid-90s, maybe? Yeah. And we had stopped going by then. Like, I think yeah. when all the, like, Jars of Clay and all those bands got really popular, they were like, that's how we're going to get the kids back. Get the youths yep. back in the <laughs> Jars of Clay, DC Talk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah. I know, you know, you've covered a lot of sort of how you've been able to come into your own as an adult, live a life that's true to you, um, and that you feel a lot of, like, the the ties or whether they're emotional or whatever, like, mm-hmm. around the holidays in particular. Um, are there Are there other times when you, like, struggle with that... Um, that balance of you know this environment that you were raised in where you couldn't fully express yourself um, versus now as an adult being you know having really figured out who you are and the life that you want to live are those two things ever still hard to reconcile or still affect you um yes and no um so the environment that I grew up in, uh, like I said, I, I went to a small private school. Um, it was this church school ran out of a Pentecostal church. Um, and I can definitely say that like my whole self uh, was very much like, I just, it was not the environment that I could thrive in. Um, it was this like you can definitely take this out because i it, it's just i hated that place <laughs> like it oh uh, i don't know how else to describe it it was just it was this like soul-sucking building um where i i just i um i didn't feel creative whatsoever um in school and outside of school i thrived uh, whether that be, you know, funny enough at church, you know, during Christmas time where we were doing a musical, like I was always involved with the stage productions, um, until I was, you know, until I hit puberty and then I like backed away because I was like, I can't sing anymore. My voice sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. Right. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I mean like the, the environment that I was raised in, like, um school wise it was very stifling um the school that i went to had no extracurricular activities um i had absolutely no idea what i wanted to do when i grew up um per se um on top of that i was being fed this terrible schooling that was very racist fat phobic anti-women anti-science um that just I was constantly getting into trouble um, at school because I was arguing and uh, talking uh, about, like, why are these things being said in this textbook? Um, I was questioning everything. And and how dare you question things? Exactly. <laughs> and it was very much so. It mm-hmm. was, like, the one, like, I never got answers. I never once got an answer as to why these things are this way other than because this is what the Bible teaches. And so between that and then also church being fed that rhetoric of, you know, the man is the head of the household. The woman is supposed to submit to the wife and yada, yada, yada. Um, That I think largely (laughs) in part, like very much like that's where I started to separate um, um, faith and church and, and myself. And I was like, if these people want to worship a quote unquote God who wants to be discriminatory towards women and 
people who aren't white and people who aren't, you know, a size two, um, fuck you. <laughs> like, I was like, that's, that's kind of how I felt. And so growing up in that environment of not being able to express everything, I like, I don't even know like how I would have acted as a kid or an adolescent, um, had I been in a public school. Um, yeah. because I mean, I, I left that school, um, literally having no clue what I wanted to do with my future. And to this day, that is definitely a huge part in like a lot of the anxiety that I have. Um, because I still to this day have no idea. I, I went to college for public relations and, and, uh, worked in the music industry for a while. And, um, I hated it and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I feel like, not having an environment of being able to explore and to create things and to ask questions that have actual answers, um, you're gonna be stunted a little bit, um, you know, no matter what. Um, yeah. Well, I went to public school, and <laughs> I also don't really know what I want to do. When I'm in. That's what I everyone like, tells me. You know. Yeah. Well, I think I think that there's a lot of I, we put a lot of pressure on kids in general mm-hmm. to like know that as soon as you get out of school, and so yeah, yeah. No, I not to like downplay what you're saying, at all, but <laughs> no, and I, think I, th- one, I think everyone feels that. Um, yeah, and I think part of the problem was is our friend Bree. By the time she was a junior in high school, she already had, like, her entire life planned out, and I hated her for it. <laughs> I we loved all it. have one of those friends. Yeah. And, and, like, part of me also thought that Steffi had that, too, and I was like, Steffi has everything figured out. Like, <laughs> Steffi was also dating the guy with the soul patch. That so is true. Steffi did not Steffi have Steffi also <laughs> dated the guy that wore her jeans, but we're not going to talk about that. Bless it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so but it was one of those weird things where it's like yeah obviously like the grass is always greener Mm -hmm. you know and it was one of those things where like I look back on it and I'm like okay but and this is my hugest argument for private school versus public and obviously private school to me is, is what I went through and it's not what private school is today um but like I'm I'm going okay I never had an opportunity to even be involved in a sport that I liked. Um, I I never had a yearbook. I never had choir. I never had, um, you know, school theater, you know, outside of church theater. Um, I eventually did community theater um, once I was, you know, later in high school. But having all of those extracurriculars, but also having those teachers who, you know, kind of invest in their students. Mm-hmm. Um, of, you know, pushing them and making sure that they are pushing themselves um, is very important. And, and, those, and those teachers who are a safe space. Mm-hmm. And I did not feel safe ever at my school um, because the teacher, it was a one-teacher classroom. Like, <laughs> my graduating yeah. class was me and another girl. Um, the biggest class that they ever had was a graduating class of like 32, I believe. Um, like, again, not a big school. 
So everything that was ever talked about eventually got back to the teacher and would then eventually get back to our parents. And so just, it was not a safe space. And so having that kind of environment really, really stifled any sort of like creativity that I was like, I can't express myself in any way because what happens if I say something wrong? What happens if I write something wrong? Um, and then once I hit high school, I stopped caring about that and um, really was kind of a, a, a fuck it kind of a- attitude. And As we would yeah. say, your field of fucks was barren. <gasps> yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember uh, my junior year, um, I had to write um, an alternate ending for the Swiss Family Robinson. And I is it an ending where the book was never written because it's horrible. <laughs> it's a terrible book. It's so it, bad. it is an awful book um, because that was one of the um, classics that we were allowed to read in, in that school. Like literally, I, I Steffi was the reason why I read so many classic literature it, in my youth um, because she pushed me to like read a lot of Jane Austen and. Let's read some Bronte. And... Make me cry. <laughs> but like, it was just one of those things where I'm like, I'm, you know, finally have found someone who's going to challenge me in my in in reading and expanding my universe. Um, but yeah, so going back to this was Family Robinson. Um, I had to rewrite the ending or write a new ending, and I ended up uh, writing it where a band of pirates came and killed them all. <laughs> and, and so you almost wrote it to where it never was yes I, and, I and my teacher got very angry with me about it and said that it was not a very christian way to do things and i was like well i don't care because i hate them all and they should die <laughs> also pirates existed and they did kill people exactly so... Uh, yeah <laughs> so that's kind of uh, you know that's where i kind of pushed the limit uh was my creative writing um because otherwise i was just getting into trouble you know back talking and and whatnot (laughs) well so you had mentioned that your family's not super approving Mm -hmm. of of your choices i guess i would say um is it still that way or are they kind of you know, coming around, is they getting to know more or are you still struggling with that? Yeah, it's definitely still a very, very big struggle. Um, mm-hmm. So when I came out to my family, um, I actually came out to my mom first, um, thinking she would be the more supportive of the two. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it kind of backfired in my face. Um, I was just about to go into work and because I, I'm one of those people who I don't like confrontation. And to me, that was a confrontational type of conversation, which I probably should not have approached it as such. And I I knew that, okay, I have 20 minutes to talk on the phone. And I called her, told her, hey, I have something to talk to you about. Do you have time? And she was like, yeah, sure. So I, I had that conversation with her. And her immediate response was, well, you know that um, I don't approve and that it goes against everything that you were raised to believe. And um, I, we will never support a, rela- 
relationship that you have with a man um, and that they would continue to pray for me, uh, which is the one thing that really set me off. <laughs> and after that, I shut down and was like, okay, that's how it's going to be. And um, they have never asked questions. They have never tried to have a conversation about it. Um, when we go for a visit, um, I try to make them as short as possible. And Stevie and I are in separate bedrooms. Like it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like going back home is such an emotional uh, roller coaster for me that like, mm -hmm. I cannot go back and enjoy myself ever um, because mm -hmm. it's just flooded with this constant feeling of, I know that you don't approve. I know that you've talked about me behind my back and have probably told people untrue things about who I am um, because of the lack of discussion. Um, because I have never once, I never once said to either my, my mother or my father um, what my sexuality is. Um, so when I said and came out to them, I specifically told my mom, I am currently dating Stevie. He will, and this, it was, God, I am such a bad person for the way that I come out and do things. Like, so like, obviously I'm not a good person to be broken up from. Um, <laughs> and so when I came out to my mom, it was a week before my college graduation in which my entire family was coming down to be at the graduation. And so the reason the conversation needed to happen was because I wanted Stevie at the graduation. Sure. And so that was the stipulation was I am doing this because the person that I am involved with right now and truly, you know, want in my life, um, he's going to be there. And I want to give you enough time to come to terms with that and to tell you know my grandparents and my aunt and uncle um because i'm not going to tell them and i don't really care what they think <laughs> sure <laughs> and uh so i'm really bad with you know telling people in a timely manner of uh important things i guess <laughs> but it was one of those things where like after that conversation my um my entire relationship with all of my family changed. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of that shame kind of comes into connection of um, being told that my relationship will never be accepted, um, that my relationship, they will never look at it as something derived from love that it is only a sin and it is only damning my soul to hell essentially um it has completely and utterly destroyed my my relationship with my parents my grandparents my sister even and it, it's this like 
it's this secret that everybody knows but refuses to talk about in any manner and I don't know how to have that conversation with them to say hey sure this hurts um or even how to approach you know the beginning of a conversation of, of that kind of a healing right yeah um, how to say i am still caleb yeah it's <laughs> the same caleb i have always yeah. been and and it, it just it, it dumbfounds me because like you know the older that i get the more i can look back and and look and, and see those little identifiers of you should have known like I grew up playing with Barbies and Polly Pockets and I had a can-can skirt that I would dance around with when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but then on the other side, I would play with Hot Wheels on Legos and Star Wars action yeah. figures. And so it was just this very, like, I was very balanced in, in this feminine and masculine energy. Um, but the older that I've, I've aged, I've leaned more towards the feminine energy. And... You know, and I'm not saying that, you know, if you lean towards more feminine, you're obviously gay or whatever. Um, but I'm saying that, you know, for me, those were clear identifying factors of, you know, hey, I had posters of Hillary Duff up in my bedroom and of Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, it wasn't because, well, it was because I found them attractive, but it was also because I, part of me wanted to be them. Like it, it was, it's this weird thing of like, there are these clear signs and I just don't know what. You want to be like, you didn't have any suspicions? Yeah. Like and, really? <laughs> yeah. Like really? <laughs> like I, I was like belting out show tunes in the basement and yet you think, <laughs> you know, I'm a hundred percent straight. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it, it's sad because you know, of how close my family is and to see how just one little thing has completely, um, you know, just decimated that and it sucks. Yeah. And I think too, like the problem that I have a lot of times with the church itself versus any religion is that I, I truly believe that it should be based in love and that it is meant to be based in love. And that's what they're trying to teach you is to love one another. And Mm -hmm. For your mom to have said what she said like that that's not a person that is yeah it's not loving Mm -hmm. at all especially when it's your child like Mm -hmm. i can't i have two kids and i'm just like yeah i don't i can't imagine that that people do i mean i know people do that but it just breaks my heart that people yeah can't can't be accepting yeah i i mean like as soon as i got off the phone with her that day i went into work and like my boss she could just physically tell that something was wrong and she was like you need a hug and I was like okay and I just like (laughs) I just broke and she's she was you know and she has kids and and she was just this wonderful person of you know just she's like you know it's it's gonna get easier it's gonna be hard for right now but you're gonna get through it and you're gonna be you know way stronger of a person after this and um just that supportive person that I was needing and the fact that the person that I turned to for it was my mom and then to be rejected um it has it hurts like it just it sucks (laughs) what a reminder that 
just loving the people around you can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, because you needed that like maternal yeah. hug in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, tying back to my disdain for the church so much is that fact of, you know, there are so many loving and caring people in the church. Steffi, your mother was one of them. Oh God. She loved <laughs> like, you so much. Yeah. Like, there were just, I, I just, she was one of the very few people that every, sorry, I'm getting very emotional. <clears throat> um, She was one of the very few people every single Sunday I would look forward to seeing because she was such a light in that dark place for me. Um, Because my junior and senior year of high school, I was sort of spiraling of I didn't know what to do with my life I I you know I was questioning my sexuality but had no idea how to question things but every single Sunday she was there and she you know she would give me a hug and she'd just be loving and light and that true personification of what jesus is and preached and 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 said of you know take care of one another love one another it it doesn't matter their background it doesn't matter who they are or what they are love them and that every single sunday i i would see her from the balcony and i i would she was that one person at, at the church um that I just always, always looked up to. And, and I, after, yeah. And after I left, um, and and came down here to Tennessee, um, it was hard. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things where like that maternal love, it, it, she, she gave it. And to know that my family, um, you know, can't even offer a little bit of that, um, it hurts. It hurts like hell. And that is the hugest problem with the church and faith and specifically evangelical Christianity that because of who someone loves I cannot love them it yeah (laughs) wow sorry for making you cry (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's okay thank you for thank you for saying those things about my mama yeah (laughs) thank you she loved you a whole lot yeah um she always she always loved you so much (laughs) so Caleb what would you say to someone who is experience experiencing some of these things that you were as a kid like what advice would you give to them Mm. uh live unapologetically honestly like I, I there are 
so many things and times in my life where I am looking back and going, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have said that. But because I was so afraid to break out of what was expected of me, um, I didn't do things that I, I wish I would have. And I, you know, the one big thing that I, I, I tell everyone, you know, like find your tribe, tri find, find your group of people who you can be 100% yourself with and love them and nurture that relationship and build that friendship and yeah just live unapologetically <laughs> that's great advice do we need tissues <laughs> yes. <Everyone does. laughs> okay i got my shirt sleeve right? <laughs> always thanks Caleb, thank you so much for being here today and sharing with us. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm... We know this is probably hard to talk about, and we really appreciate you being open and yeah. sharing your experience with us. Yes, but thank you. let's try to end on a happy note. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Steffi, what is bringing you joy this week? I am going to say freshly baked bread is bringing me joy this week. Did you already say that one? I said my sourdough starter was bringing me <laughs> oh, joy. Oh, so close. <laughs> Specifically, I made bread this morning, and I ate an embarrassing amount of it today, and I don't even care. Because <laughs> you know what? It brought me joy. <laughs> Not going to apologize. Caleb. What's bringing you joy? <laughs> oh, gosh. So the Grammys are coming up, um, and I, I'm i a huge um, award show nerd. Um, and the fact that Lana Del Rey and Billie Eilish and Ariana Grande and her and Lizzo and so many amazing female artists are dominating the nominations, that is bringing me so much joy. And if you have not listened to Norman fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey... That album is gorgeous. <laughs> we will listen link to that, that tomorrow. Yes. yes, and we will link to it in the show notes. Have you seen Lizzo in concert? Yes. So uh, good. Oh, I saw her. She played the Ryman. And uh, if either uh, are either of you familiar with the Ryman Auditorium? Uh, I, uh, I know of it. I've never okay, been there. So it's considered the mother church. And it literally, it was a church back in the day. And so the Grand Ole Opry started there, and then they moved over to a new place. But um, so usually a lot of people, when they play the Ryman, it's a very, like, holy experience. And when Lizzo played, I had never seen so much twerking going on in the Ryman before. <laughs> and it was the greatest experience of my life. <laughs> so, oh. Megan, your turn. Oh, I'm going to say oat milk. Oh, okay. Ooh. Ooh, I love oat milk. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like it kind of snuck up uh, out of nowhere in the fake milk range. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we did that event and we had those oat milk, oat milk coffee drinks. Yes. And they were really delicious. A lot of those, like, canned coffee drinks have a weird 
aftertaste, I guess probably from like the soy, whatever they put in there. Mm-hmm. But the oat milk ones are really good. And so now I buy oat milk creamer for my coffee and just really, really digging the non-dairy pouring oats into my <laughs> drinks. <laughs> Have you tried it with cereal yet? No, well, I do not put milk in my cereal. <gasps> okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best reaction that's ever occurred on this podcast, I think. <laughs> so I will definitely tell you that like whatever cereal you put it on, it immediately takes on the taste of oat milk. Oh, it is the oh, well, weirdest sensation. Yeah. Um, so maybe hold off on that. Yeah, do not eat it with Apple Jacks. <laughs> oh, I'm <God>. just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Good. But I will say I do love, because I don't drink coffee, but I do love a chai made with oat milk. Ooh, that sounds so, so good. good. Yeah, so I haven't good. done that yet because I'm not sure if our coffee shop does oat milk. But you gotta ask. I will. I live in Austin. I mean, well, the, I mean the coffee shop by my house. Doing oat milk, surely. I yeah, but I mean the one that's like local to me, not. Well, yeah. Is they do make a really good China. No, not yet. Okay. The, that day will be Megan's happy, happy day. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't actually, because they jumped on the coconut milk train real fast. They did, and that's been my saving grace. That's true. That's I do true. like the coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Next week, we will be chatting about all things networking. So meet us back here next Tuesday as we uncover why networking is both so intimidating and also important for success. Until then, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast or send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from our listeners. Talk to you soon. Bye.